0: Annalisa preached last week, and she did such an amazing job. I was so proud of her, um, preaching on the material of discipline over religion. When I first saw the title, I was like, discipline over religion? is discipline over religion kind of the same thing? And I read it, and I was like, oh, no, it's, it's, disciplines are actually really good. Um, but she did an amazing job last week, and um, I heard a few people give her such praise, and I can't say I've ever heard that much from me, so I just took that personally. <laughs> Um, (laughs) but we, um, we are called to build something together, not just a cool thing to come to once a week, but something much greater. You know, we think of church, we still think of the, the building we come to on a Saturday evening or a Sunday morning, but I believe when God says to build the church, he's talking about a people, a movement, dare I say a governmental body, a people that know how to Steward the earth. Not live in such a way where we're victims to everything that happens. 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that we are to build on the foundation that Jesus laid. And the building actually is us. That we are the temple. We are the place that God dwells. And when I was at, I went to a, one of the a house gatherings this week, the Pooler house gathering actually. And we were reading through these passages that Anna Lisa preached on last week. And something stood out to me. As I was reading the scripture, um, and don't put it up there quite yet, just wait for me, but she brought up Exodus 26, and it was talking about how the temple was being built. And it was talking about making the curtains with blue and purple and scarlet thread, making the curtains 42 by 6 feet long and 11 curtains made with goat hair cloth and to use acacia wood and make the tent covering with tanned ram skins and goat skin leather. It was very specific. How many of you know that God's very specific? He knows exactly what he wants to build. He didn't tell Noah just to build a boat. He said, I want you to build it just like this, and these are the dimensions. and And as I was reading all this in Exodus 26, a verse in the middle of it popped out to me. And it was Exodus 26, verse 30. It says, set up this tabernacle according to the pattern. Someone say the pattern. pattern. According to the pattern you were shown on the mountain. God will always give us a pattern for the thing he has called you to build. Always. If you've ever wondered how to be successful in your family, in your business, in your personal life, I can promise you that there is a pattern. There's a pattern to build the family. It's quite simple, actually. Husbands love God. Wives love God. And then husbands love your wife. Wife loves your husbands. And as long as you are putting God at the forefront of your marriage and each other over all things, you're going to have a great marriage. There's a pattern. There's a pattern of how to manage your money. We talked about that earlier. Don't complain about debt and ask for breakthrough if you don't tithe. It ain't going to happen. Don't complain about debt if you do not manage your budget, right? There's a pattern. A lot of times we we, we come into church and we're asking God to rebuke the devil, and really sometimes it's you who needs to rebuke yourself. (laughs) There's a pattern of how to marry. There's a pattern of how to build relationships. There is a pattern of how to build a church. And if we would build according to this pattern... Perhaps we would operate as we should operate rather than just hoping we get some things right. I'm tired of of being a part of a group of people called Christians who just hope we get some things right. I want to start building a house according to the pattern that guarantees we get it right. Is that okay? And in this building materials, we're paying attention to the pattern. In week one, we talked about fellowship, that there is communion by participation, There is a call to participate in this fellowship of believers. In week two, we talked about prayer, developing a lifestyle of prayer and intercession. And I I, I said it before, and I'll say it tonight, that intercession is not a spiritual gift. It's a call to everyone in the body. There is no such thing as I have the gift of intercession. You have a call to intercede. You may have time to intercede more than others, but we are all called to intercede. Is, Is that we, we, we are called to intercede on, on behalf of something. You got a family member who's not saved? Intercede on their behalf. You want to see some things change in the government? Intercede on the government's behalf instead of complaining on the government's behalf. Right? Intercede. Grab a hold of something and pray into it. Then last week, we, or of week three, we talked about submission. Submitting to the presence of God, submitting to a covering. Last week we talked about discipline, creating disciplines in our lives to help us walk as representatives of the kingdoms. And tonight we're talking about oneness. Oneness defined is simply the state of being unified or whole, compromise of two or more parts. The state of being whole, compromise of two or more parts. Ephesians 4 3 through 6 says it like this Make every effort. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Let me say that again. Make every effort to keep united. It's not hope that we're united. It's not pray for unity. You keep unity. And make every effort to do so. Binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There's one body, there's one spirit, of spirit, there's one hope, there's one future. What's that future? He is going to come back and we are going to be totally restored. It's the same future for all, so why are we fighting against each other? There is one Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God, one Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. The body of Christ is built to its greatest potential when we would all do well at keeping unity. And too often we pray for unity in the church when God actually says, it's not ask for unity, it's keep unity that you already have. It's not... God, would you unify us? It's I have unified you because you all exist in me. Therefore, you are already one. Your job is not to get unity. Your job is to open your eyes to the fact that you are already unified. And everything you do, everything you say, every step you take, every breath you take. Sting wasn't the originator of that. Everything you do, some of y'all got it. You have to say, Lord, we are going to keep unified in this. We're not going to let offense creep in to divide. We're not going to let opinion creep in to divide. We're not going to let disagreement creep in to divide. We are going to keep what you have unified. It is not our call to create unity. It is our duty to recognize it and keep it. Recognize what? That there's one church, one spirit, one hope, one God, one baptism, one, 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 one. And yet we spend more time finding reasons to divide than to unify with peace. Perhaps keeping unity looks like this in Luke 6, 37. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. And this is Christ talking to his disciples. He's not talking to lost people. He's talking to the church. He says, this is the pattern for walking as my ecclesia. You do not get to decide otherwise. Well, why do I need to be quick to forgive my neighbor? It keeps unity. Why do I need need to judge? It keeps unity. Why shouldn't I condemn? It keeps unity. And the unfortunate thing is the thing that the church is known for most are the words of condemnation when there is disagreement. And our call is to keep a unity despite disagreement, despite things that go on. We are to keep it, not find reasons as to disassociate with it. Yes. In, in, the, in Luke 6, a little later on in verses 46 through 48, it says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Mm-hmm. Let that sink in. Why do you call me God if you don't trust that my way is better than your way? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep, lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm. Why? Not because it's a great house, but because it's well built. And there's a lot of great looking houses these days that are not well built. Some of these houses popping up now all over the area, if a gust of wind comes, the roof falls off. And I think a lot of times we can look at churches that look really good. But, but is it dug deep and built on a solid foundation? He says, don't call me your God if you're not making every effort to keep the pattern of oneness. Because when you're one with God, your house won't be torn down or overthrown. So listen to the one who gave you the pattern. What's the pattern? Don't judge, don't condemn, forgive. What's the pattern? Keep unified. And there are so many times where these conversations come where we try to find reasons as to why we can't be here, we can't be at the church, we can't come on Saturday night. Listen, Saturday night doesn't save you. Saturday night does not make you, does not make you uh, um, right with God. God makes you right with God. But if you think that you can do life alone according to a pattern that does not mean meeting together, you're dumb. He says, You want to know the pattern? Get together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and some of y'all got that. And have communion together and, and, and obey my teachings. The, the, the Lord said, This is part of the pattern. <laughs> and the pattern, if I can just say this, is not alone in memorizing scripture. Oh, here's one more dabble. I am a pastor. I've been pastoring, I've been in ministry for 20 years now. And the only scripture that I can really quote all together is John 3.16. I can tell you a lot of scripture, but I won't be able to tell you where it's found. Can I just be honest with you? That's not how my mind works. I had a brain tumor years ago. Sometimes I can't remember if I put on the right shoes or not. I've got memory problems. But but I tell you what, I can tell you what the Bible says, but sometimes I can't give you a reference. It's not about Scripture memorization because you know who has the Scripture memorized the best? Lucifer. And Scripture memorization didn't change Lucifer. Most times Jesus spoke, he, he, he referred to the Scripture. He said, you've heard it was said. He was always quoting the law. But it is one thing to know what God says, and it's another thing to live according to what God says. I can can memorize this all day long, but if I'm not doing it, it means nothing. There is a pattern of oneness, not just oneness in the body of Christ, but oneness with the Father. How do I become one with the Father? Do what it says, not just memorize it. We live according to the pattern. When we live according to the pattern of oneness, his strength is our strength. And we have unlimited resources and power in the name of Jesus and nothing will come against us or tear us down. But we have to be one with with the pattern. We have to submit to the pattern. And his pattern does not change when people get woke. Because they're waking up to the wrong thing. Can I prove it with scripture? When Adam and Eve were, when they, when they sinned, it says their eyes were opened. Yes. And you know what? They were never supposed to be open. We were supposed to be blind in a sense to the only thing we know, the only voice we know is God. We didn't need to know other options. We didn't need to know other opinions. We didn't need to know what the fruit tasted like. But instead, our eyes were open to nakedness. We got woke to something we should have never been woken up to. And I think sometimes we we, we live in this culture where we think we're getting awake to new ideals. And God says, no, 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 no. If you don't keep to my ideals, you're actually exiting out of oneness. And I can't do anything with that type of church. And there's so many churches that are, that are embracing new ideals and you know what's happening? Am I, are they going to hell? I don't think so. Are they powerless? Yeah. Great church meetings with no power. It's like memorizing scripture without application. <laughs> it's just too much. Galatians 2.20. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, you truly live when you trust in his pattern. What is his pattern? Be one with me. His likes are yours. His dislikes are yours. His passions are yours. His will is yours. His desire is yours. Well, I don't have the same desires. Well, that just means you're not that close. Because my scripture says when I get closer to God and I submit to God, my desires will actually change. He says, I will give you the desires of my heart. Yes. You want to keep oneness with God himself. And we need to begin to look at every situation as whether or not it's keeping oneness. When an action is committed against you, the way you respond shows whether or not you're committed to keeping oneness. I can't tell you how many times something has been done against me, even in the house. Is that okay to talk about? But is my response prideful, keeping Kyle at the top? Or do I make sure I try to keep oneness? And you know how you keep oneness? You humble yourself and you talk it out. And you try to look for what you've done wrong first and bring it out. You want to know the best way to solve conflict? come with some sort of admission mission that you could have done something different instead of waiting for them to admit they're wrong. That's a key to conflict. Christ speaks to sickness and storms, but we embrace them. I spoke to it a little bit tonight in worship, that we, have, we look at sickness and disease, and there's so many people in the church using dumb phrases like, well, maybe God's, this is God's will for them. It's never God's will for someone to die of cancer. It's never God's will for someone to die of sickness and disease. There there is a such thing called free will, and unfortunately, we become victims to that free will. It's not God's plan for someone to die because someone got drunk and hit them with a car. But you know what God God does say? I'll take that thing that wasn't part of my plan, and I will make it work for my good as if it was. See, we use a term, I'm going to dabble a little bit. We use the term too loosely, God is in control. I submit to you, God is not in control unless you're submitted. Is is, is this, is this okay? Because he said, I have given you the authority to govern. I've given you the authority to steward. And you know why most people don't like God? Because when the church says God's in control, and they say, well, then why did God do that? And we need to start realizing God didn't do that. But our desire is to be one with him. So the way we respond to these things is differently than how the world responds. Keeping oneness. Is this making sense? Do y'all need this tonight? Is this okay? Okay. John 14, starting in verse 19, says, Soon the world will no longer see me. This is Jesus talking. But you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. God's desire is for you and him to be one. And the only way the world will see God is when they look at you, because that was the original design. Jesus redeemed us so that we can operate according to Genesis 1 pattern, oneness. Walking with God and being one with God. The best evangelical tool is for them to see you changed. For them to say, why are you different? For them to say, how is it that you overcame that struggle when I'm still a victim to it? Because we realize that we are not victims to anything. We realize that we hold the keys of the kingdom. And all we have to do is treat the thing according to the pattern. When someone does me wrong, how how do you not get bitter, Kyle? Because I live according to the pattern. What's the pattern? I forgive them even if they don't deserve it. Because when I forgive them, I release anything that I may harbor. Therefore, bitterness doesn't stand a chance to live. Right? Why don't you want to take revenge on people? Because I like the idea that God says give it to him and he'll take justice. And his justice is a lot better than my revenge. Keeping oneness. It's not I'm trying to earn being one with God. According to John 14, 20, he is in me and I in in him. So therefore, I am one with God. Do I keep that or do I operate outside of that? Right? Well, I'm too weak. No, you're not. If you're one with God, everything you need is at your disposal according to the kingdom. The question is, will you keep to that? Will you keep to his pattern? Will you keep to his ways? Well, how do we keep to the oneness? Verse 21 Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Y'all hear that? Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. This is New Testament, by the way. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. What is the key to keeping oneness? accepting and obeying his commandments. That word commandment there comes from the Greek word entole, which simply means this, an order prescribed to one by reason of office. Why do I bring that up? Because when we see keep the commandments, what do we think of? Keep the Ten Commandments. But can I say that there are commands that we have to keep to that are not limited to Ten Commandments? We're not talking about Ten Laws. We're talking about when the office that is the Lordship of Christ says here, we say yes. Like when God highlights a person and tells you to bless them, your response is not, well, let me get a background, a background check first. Right? When, when, when the Lord highlights a homeless person to you and he says feed them, you don't say, well, I'm only going to give them food. I'm not going to give them money because they might do something with the money. It's just simply obey. Let them worry about what we're going to do with it. And I'm not trying to tell you one way or the other. I'm trying to tell you when God tells you something specific, you do it. There's times I've given money. There's times I've given food. And every time I start trying to rationalize, I have to submit that to God and say, no, 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 no. That's not keeping it in with you. I'm talking about a yes to God's leading. Despite what it seems like, despite what it feels like, despite if it's logical, despite if it makes sense. And the more we say yes, the more he will reveal himself. I remember uh, it was 2012 or 2014, uh, 2000, I think it was 2012, I had, the, I had a brain tumor, and I went through a lot of issues, and I had to go have a surgery, and the surgery went good, but I didn't do so good. <clears throat> I went backwards in the surgery. I lost the ability to speak. I lost the ability to write, and I couldn't figure out how to walk, and here I am, a preacher and a musician lost my motor skills, lost, I, I, I couldn't do anything. You, you, from what I remember, I only remember like two days, but apparently I was in there for like two weeks. My mom, I can't imagine how horrible it was for her. You can ask her, she's sitting in the back. But I remember coming out of that, I, I didn't have any money, I didn't have the insurance, and I had to, they said if you're going to get back to how you're going to be, you got to go through speech therapy, you got to go through physical therapy, and you got to go through occupational therapy. And I said, well, how much are they? And when they told me, I said, nope. Couldn't afford any of that. So you know what I did? I kept a oneness. And they said, you're not going to be able to play piano for the next six months. I said, well, when am I going to get out of this hospital? When will I be able to sit up in bed? They said three weeks. I said, okay, I'm getting up on that piano in three weeks. And you can ask anyone at that church. When I I went back after the the, the surgery, I had to get up on that keyboard and I had to sit there and I, I asked someone to hold me up so I wouldn't sway back and forth because I could not even stay straight, but I played and it wasn't the best. But in a matter of time, I was back to normal. You want to hear the miracle in that? Years later, I talked to some of the people at the church, some of the elders about me getting up there and playing. And they said, you know, we've never told you this, but we should tell you now. You never had anyone up there holding you up. (laughs) So, you know what it was? It was an angel. Why did he send send the angel? Because I was what? Obedient. So it's like, God sinned, and he says, well, if you, then I'll. Okay. <laughs> yes to God's leading, even when it doesn't make sense. We want all these breakthroughs from heaven, but our response first has to say yes to whatever you're saying, God. Verse 22, it says, Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not the world at large? Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. He will make his home with those who love him. What is love? It's qualified by those keeping oneness by way of the yes. And we don't realize the power of oneness. In Genesis, we see that the Lord flooded the earth and he sent a wind to blow across the earth. And the flood waters began to recede. And after about five months, don't, yeah, okay, the ark rested on the land. We're talking about Noah's ark, by the way. Flooded the earth. The waters were receding because the wind was blowing. It, the, the ark got rested on the mountain of Ararat. And eventually, God told them to get off the boat. Well, when God told the people to get off the boat, he tells them something in Genesis 9. In Genesis 9, verse 1, he says, Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Does that sound familiar? Who did he tell that to? Adam and Eve, right? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. So they have seen the world flooded. They built a boat. When there was no rain, talk about crazy. Again, you're you're obeying even if it's illogical. And then when they saw the rain, all the people that weren't one with God all of a sudden started to get one, right? But the the door was already closed. Flooded, they saw provision. God says, be fruitful, multiply. And then two chapters later, This is what happens in Genesis 11, verse verse 1. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, let's make bricks and harden them with fire. And in this region, bricks were used instead of stone and tar was used for mortar. So you got these people together who were what? One. And they got together after seeing all this stuff and said, hey, let's get some bricks and some tar. What's funny is tar being used for mortar was to do one thing, to waterproof something. What was the promise that God said? I'm not going to flood the earth again. And they waterproofing stuff why were they waterproofing him when there was a promise that, he, that there was going to be no flood again? I, I, I think kind of some of those questions are like, why are we anxious when he says don't be? Or why are we depressed when he says take joy? Or why do we panic when he says we can depend on him? Oneness with God is trusting what he says. Like when he says cast out demons, you have no reason to be scared of them. Like when he says... Take what you have and trust God, and and, and he says, I will multiply it and dedicate it to me, and I will do great things with it. Like, God says, I'm always going to be with you, and I'm going to strengthen you. You know what he's telling us? He's saying, don't build new things with old materials. They're building this thing and they're using materials that Noah used to to waterproof the ark and the same material was used to waterproof the bed that Moses was in when he went down the Nile, or not the Nile, the, uh, the, was it the Nile? Yeah, yeah, I had it right, The, the, the river as a baby. And they're using this old material and God says, I don't want you to build a new thing with the old stuff. There's no need to build the new thing with the old stuff. There's no need to build something new called the church of 2023 with old ideals that are no longer for the church of 2023. And I'm not talking about style of music. I'm talking about like 1 Corinthians 11:14 14 and 1 Timothy 2 when it says there's no need for female teachers. And we take that and say we have to build the church of 2023 with that. Not realizing that what that was was an example of putting order in a house at that time. Yeah, that's right. But because it's in Scripture, it, it, we, we, we think, okay, well, we have to do that in that way for the church now. You've missed the point of the Scripture. Yeah. It was setting order for a time when they had nothing to start with. You, or, or like the, the Scripture that says, wash your hands before you come into the temple. Like you enter his courts with thanksgiving and, and with praise and you, and you go wash your hands in the laver and then you get into the, the, holy, uh, the, the holy place and then the most holy place. In other words, before you could ever get your voice in with the presence of God, you had to wash up. You had to get clean. What has religion do, done? You better get clean before you start serving in the church. That's an old material. New material is that Jesus cleaned. Washed as white as snow. So it's not you better get right so that you can get in the church and start serving. It's understand you have been washed already. Come and start serving so you can be identified as washed. Old materials and new materials. Let me go further. We have been established and order has been placed. And there is a pattern of order on the foundations of Jesus' teachings and prayers. They saw what Jesus did, and they started building a church according to that pattern. What did Jesus do? He met with them daily. He prayed with them. This is the new way. This is the new material. Material one, he met with them daily. Material two, he prayed with them. Material three, he taught them. And this is all new stuff. Because old patterns said, if you you don't believe, don't get near God. And new patterns, God got right there in the midst of those who didn't believe. Then he said, then he started performing miracles. And then he said, you go do it. And then he went to a woman at the well and said, hey, woman, preach. And the whole town got saved. And so you know what the apostles did with that pattern? It says in Acts 2.42 that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayer. They saw it. They did it according to the pattern. So let's go back to what I was talking about in Genesis 11. They were, one, speaking the same language, and they said, we want to build something because we want to get up to heaven. So they started building with old materials that they didn't need. That was the first problem. And then in verse 4, it says, they said, come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Problem one, they should not have been seeking fame. What they should have been seeking was to make his name famous. And the problem with church is we're still trying to build the new expression with an old material that wasn't even established by Christ. You know what the old material is? This right here. Y'all sit and listen to me. And no one ever digs, and no one ever finds out that just as much as I get revelation, you have the same flipping ability to. Is it okay if I said flipping? It's a good word, y'all. You have the same ability to dive in the scripture. You have the same ability to seek this revelation. You have the same ability for Holy Spirit to reveal whatever he wants to you. But because someone took Bibles away from the Christians because they were getting too powerful and then wrote a version called the King James Version and said, hey, all of you have to come together once a week and listen to one person say it so I can manipulate that one person. We've taken that and said, okay, let's use that to build the church. And it looked nothing like Acts chapter 2. Y'all don't want to hear that, do you? I see people out there going, Mm-mm, I don't like that. Well, Well, I'm just preaching truth. And what we're doing is we're trying to build something new with all those old materials. You know what new material we have? The same spirit in me is in every single one of us. So there should be no reason that there's power in coming together in submission and in fellowship. But this should be the start of the something, not the climax of the something. This should be the place you come to get equipped so that you can do incredible things out there. Not, I've had a crappy week, so let me get saved every week at Relentless Church. We, sh- we shouldn't be trying to, this sh- the, 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 the fact of the matter is we got to get to a day where people are part of a relentless church and they, they, they don't even know who Pastor Kyle is. Because it's not about making my name great. Are y'all awake? It's about making his name great. That the only name we say when we hear about this revelation is the name of Jesus. The only name we say when we talk about healing was not Pastor Kyle lay hands; it was the Holy Spirit did it. That's whose name we need to make great. It's not did you hear that message, Pastor Kyle preached? It's did you hear the message that the Holy Spirit brought through a Pastor Kyle, through a Annalisa, through a Renee. through a Marty, through a Michael, through a Dell, through a the, the, through anyone, even Dell? No. <laughs> Seriously. I, I, to be honest with you, I went to a house guy that Dell leads, and Dell was leading it, and I was like, wow, what a great leader. And I, I can't say I saw that in him until I saw that in him. Yeah. I didn't know that he was going to be great at, 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 at leading discussions. Dell and I have debates all the time about everything. <laughs> but you know what? He has a submitted heart that says, I want to see God do amazing things, and God's doing it in his life. And it's the same access for... Is that okay? I'm not going to yell that. It's the same access for all of us. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> the problem, too, what was the command after the flood? They said, fill the earth. Throw that scripture back up there again, if you don't mind, verse 4. It says they wanted to build something that reached into the sky to make us famous and keep us from what? Being scattered. They were in direct rebellion to the one command God gave. Fill the earth. And they said, we don't want to fill the earth. We don't want to scatter. What has church done? We got to build the four walls. And when we get too big, we're going to build another four walls. And we're going to to build these great campuses that lift up the name of Jesus. But when we go to work, we're not going to say his name because we don't want to get fired. I mean, I'm just I'm just bring, bringing it for what it is. We are containing him. Now, I'm not saying to go to your workplace and start preaching in the office, but you can speak in the name of Jesus without ever saying the name of Jesus. You want to know how? Teach them the pattern. Yeah. Is this? Religion has trapped us into perverted oneness. Forcing all to be obsessed with building four walls that have kept the church from spreading through the entire earth, just like they were trying to do at the Tower of Babel. They were all about, we want to make ourselves famous and we don't want to scatter. Hmm. Problem three. They were obsessed with building to get up to heaven. They were obsessed with trying. They were obsessed with the sky. You hear what? Did you see what it said? They were trying to build a tower to get where, into, some translations say into the heavens. God was obsessed with getting heaven to come down, and they were obsessed with trying to get in. Let me read it in verses five through nine. <clears throat> the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look. He said, this is God talking, the people are united, they speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world. Did you see what just happened? He was going to get his way whether they liked it or not. (laughs) And they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages, and this way he scattered them all over the world. He said, oh, you don't want to be scattered? I'm going to scatter you. Why did God confuse the people with different languages? Because they have one pattern, right? With oneness, you can do anything. They would have been successful at building this tower to get to heaven. I don't know how, but it's very clear. The problem is they weren't submitted to him. And when the people are trying to build something for them, God is not going to bless it. Perhaps that is why the church has become ineffective. Because we've sought fame for ourselves and we have sought to build something to keep us in rather than building something that brings us to fill the earth. See, the people were wanting to build a oneness that was in rebellion to the command God said fill the earth. Man was obsessed with filling the heavens. Church has taught everything around get to heaven when you die. It's a promise, not a pattern. Y'all hear me? Getting to heaven is the promise, not the pattern. When you're saved, you have a promise. You're going to heaven. Nothing ever in your mind should ever have to worry about or think about, when am I getting there? Because it's promised. That's why when the disciples were looking at Jesus and he went up into the clouds, the angels came down and said, why are you still looking up? Go and do what he says. Christ came to say, shift your eyes and fill the place that I've created you to live according to a pattern. What pattern? Be one with me, fill the earth with the likeness of me in you. And when we get obsessed with that pattern, God will allow something incredible. You want to know what it is? Acts chapter 2. Let me read it to you. Verse 1 through 12. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in what? One place. And suddenly, I've read it over and over, we're going to read it again. There was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. Can I just say this to to make sure we're clear? It wasn't wind in the room. It was a sound that sounded like wind. It filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared, settling on each of them. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At this time, there were Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. They were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they explained. These people are from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Let me pause right there. Any charismatic preacher that says... Well, What happened in the upper room was heavenly languages wrong? It wasn't the heavenly languages of tongues that came in Acts chapter 2. It was not. Do I believe in the heavenly language? Absolutely. Was it in Acts chapter 2? No. Let me prove it to you. Verse 9. They're speaking our languages. They're speaking, but here we are, we're Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Persia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the areas of Libya around Serene, visitors from Rome, but Jews and commerce to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And they're all speaking in their own languages about these wonderful things God's done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. what can this mean? They asked each other. Have you caught this yet? Yeah. It's what happened at the Tower of Babel, but God allowed it. Tower of Babel, they were in one place and they were trying to get to heaven. So God says, y'all cannot understand each other. I'm going to scatter you. You don't need to be able to speak each other's languages. Acts chapter 2, they were in one place, but they weren't trying to get to heaven. They were trying to submit to heaven coming down. And when they released that, God said, I'll bring what I scatter back together. Yeah. Yeah. Acts 2 was the fulfillment of what was scattered in Genesis 11. That's good. Even if y'all don't tell me it's good, it's good. There was a manifestation of oneness. They all understood each other. The languages came together because they were all speaking and obsessed not with their glory, but the glory of God. What God scattered at the Tower of Babel came back together in an upper room. Heaven came down because they were no longer one in a rebellious action. They were one in a submitted action. They were one in the Spirit. And if a church will begin to keep oneness with God and no other desire for no other lover, we will begin to see supernatural restoration of a people of unlimited potential under the headship of Christ. And the oneness must be fill the earth, not get to heaven. Fill the earth, not hide behind the four walls. If your obsession is with the return of Christ, you've missed the scripture. It's a promise, not a pattern. You don't need to live every day hoping that he returns when he's given you a mandate to fill. Because the moment you hope he returns, now you're actually in rebellion to your mandate. Just like at the Tower of Babel. Bring heaven down. No. Not yet. It's a promise, not a pattern. Jesus is coming back. It's a promise, not a pattern to live by. Oh God, would you come back? Stop praying that prayer. There's too many lost people. Are you more obsessed with your own self and getting there? Or do you cry for the weak and the lost and the hurting? And you're okay with him not coming back today because you're going after them to fill the earth. It's, it's, the return is a promise, not a pattern. If you're obsessed with the clouds, you're in rebellion to the mandate of God. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in rebellion to the mandate of God. I want to be in submission to God. Do whatever you want to do through me. However you want to do it. You know what happens when we're one and we're open to saying, let heaven come down? It's going to come down. I I was having dinner last night with... With um, Chuck and and his wife and his son, and, and we were talking about different scriptures in the Bible. One scripture that was brought up with, these signs will follow those who believe. Miracles, healing. And the question was posed last night, why aren't we seeing it? Why aren't we seeing it every day? Why aren't we seeing it every time we come into a church meeting? Can I, can I tell you why I believe we're not seeing it? Because we have to throw away our own beliefs and be submitted to oneness in the idea of heaven to earth, not when do we get to heaven. If we would be submitted to the oneness of God, do what you want to do through a people who are actually embracing where we are, that's when we're going to see the signs that follow the believers. Because we're not waiting on heaven. We're, we're inviting it down. Restoration. Not escape. I don't know where that came from, but that was good. Colossians 1, 25 through 27, listen to this. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. The message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it's been revealed to God's people. Y'all hear that? It's no longer a secret For God wanted them to know that the riches and glories of Christ are for you Gentiles. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. Y'all hear that? What's the secret? Christ lives in you. This gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. He lives in you. Keeping the oneness with God so that we can see God do what he wished through the thing he created to govern us. What is the secret? John 14, 20, we read it earlier. If you remember, he's, Jesus says, I am in the Father. We are in him. He is in us. What is the secret? Everyone is waiting for Jesus to come back, but we miss the fact that he's already here. Amen. Oh, yes. Amen. Is the man Jesus returning? Yes. But we're not waiting on him to be present. And that's what happens when you're obsessed with the return. You forgot that he's already returned. He's here among us. Right. And what happens to the world, they're not seeing Christ because we've got a bunch of people confined to four walls hoping he comes back instead of the people that are submitting to the call to scatter. Bring him everywhere. Are y'all hearing me tonight? Yes. Yeah. Oneness. That's the secret. The keys of the kingdom. I am in Christ. Christ is in me. Jesus is at Gulfstream. Jesus is at stir coffee. Jesus is in the living room. Jesus is at Taco Bell, believe it or not. Jesus is everywhere. Right. The problem is no one's seeing Jesus because we're living according to a promise, and not a pattern. Yes. <laughs> am I getting through to anyone tonight? We're still obsessed with the clouds, just like the disciples for a moment, and just like the people at the Tower of Babel. I'm going to close with a scripture, and I want to sit on this for a moment. In Luke 10, verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. (laughs) Let me pause right there. You You know what living according to promise is? You're obsessed with preparations instead of just sitting. When you're living according to promise... That, oh, God's going to come back. You live every day according to, I need to make sure that I have everything right so I'm ready for his return. Instead of understanding that he's here for you to sit at his feet. And should we sit at his feet, we would understand the call to steward right here in a moment. It says, Martha was distracted by all these preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister's left me to do the work all by myself? Tell her to help me. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Next verse, but few things, few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary's chosen what's better. It won't be taken away from her. Sometimes we get so distracted with all the doing, even maybe with everything that church has to offer, that we forget to just sit at his feet. And I think a lot of times we don't like to sit at his feet because when you sit at his feet, it requires a great level of vulnerability and for you to be seen. Because when you sit at his feet, you have to let everything about you be exposed before the king. And you actually might have to change some things. People, when we live according to promise, only according to promise that Jesus returned we throw away the need for vulnerability and change because, thank God, we're going to heaven. Can I tell you what my heart is? I want to be as much like Christ as I can possibly be by the time he takes me. And I can tell you, I ain't nowhere near all like Christ right now. Maybe, maybe, maybe a little bit, hopefully. Like I'm a pastor. But I, I, can I, I'll say it boldly. I don't want Jesus to return tonight. I've got so much transformation to go through. I've got, I know so many people who are lost that I want to get to. I know so many needs that I want to help. I know so much potential that I want to help see come alive in Christ. I think God's okay with that. Perhaps that's why he says you're not going to know the times, nor the day, nor the hour that I'm going to return. If I wanted you to know, if I wanted you to prepare, I'd tell you. I want you to sit at my feet. I want you to be exposed before me. I want you to see that the better thing is saying, Jesus, here I am. Wanting to be one with Christ. Sometimes we hide behind the work. We hide behind the doing. Not even realizing it. I believe we're in a very pivotal moment of this house. I see new people coming in every week. I see regulars coming in all the time. I see people leaving. I see people coming. I see people going. I believe we are in a pivotal moment of this house, that God wants to do something incredible through relentless in this area that's never been seen before. And I know some of you have probably heard that from many preachers, but I'm not saying that in a manipulative way. I feel it. Do any of y'all feel it? I feel it. But it's going to take a breakthrough. And the breakthrough is not we come to church every Saturday hoping God does something. The breakthrough is when you come this Saturday night coming up, you're not hoping that the worship's good. The moment that we start reading scripture, we're praising God with all we've got. We're not not embracing this idea of coming to church to hear the worship team. We're coming to press in to worship God with everything we have. If you jump up and holler at a football game, don't give me that crap about that's not how I worship. And I believe the Lord just blessed me to say crap from the pulpit. I don't want any text. I don't want any emails. I will rebuke you. If we can give a touchdown glory, how much more worthy is the one who died on the cross and to raise up a hand? If we can yell and shout at famous people and, 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 and awards and accolades, and and we can we can yell and holler for our friends. How dare we come into church and saying that's not how I worship? It is how you worship. You just don't want to be exposed. Well, this is pushing a little bit. Good. We've got to be pushed. He wants us to be. You know. I mean. I, I mean. I I want to see a day where we dance like David danced. Just keep your clothes on. I want to see a day when we come in here and there is such an expectation for heaven to come down that it does. And when heaven comes down, you know what happens? Paralyzed people get up because there's no such thing as a paralytic in heaven. Can, can, I, can I go there for a moment? For those of you that are newer, I harp it all the time. I'm not, I'm not going to go much into it. But this woman was paralyzed for 20 years. A year and a half ago, she stood up. What happened in that moment? Heaven entered in. And I'm going to be so bold to say, but we didn't keep it. What has the scripture been saying all night? Keep the oneness. You know how we should have kept it? We should have been on our faces every day seeking the presence of God. Instead, we said, hallelujah, there's a healing. And we came back. And that next weekend, there were tons of people who heard about it. And they came. And they didn't get healed. And they never came back. Why? Why? Cause they didn't come for God. They came to fix my stuff. We've got to seek such a oneness with God that he is priority over everything. And it, 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 the, the, the priority over all will demand a dimension of heaven to come where nothing outside of heaven can stay. That's why when Ananias and Sapphire came to the apostles and Acts, they fell down dead in their midst because rebellion could not even stay in the house. He's wanting to do something incredible in his church. And it's not, you know, sow a, a new seed. And it's it's, it's not, you know, um, let's get up and shout for 15 minutes. It's seek me. Sit at my feet. Go home tonight and sit at his feet. When we go out to eat tonight and the waiter's horrible, tip him as if he was the best. Because Jesus saved you as if you were Perfect. See, we don't like that. Because we're still thinking on what's due to me instead of what can I bless? What can I give? I want to be one with Christ. Christ gave everything to me. I want to be able to give whatever I can to whoever I can give it. Oneness. Lord, we're not trying to get to heaven anymore. Because you say, thy kingdom come, they will be done on the earth as it already is in heaven. So Lord, bring your kingdom right here, right now. Let my home be like the kingdom of God. Let my relationships be as the kingdom of God. Let my life be as the kingdom. You know what the keys of the kingdom are? They're unlocked are when you get the secret that Christ is here. And we cannot treat that casually anymore. He's here. He is here. Yes. He's here. He's among us. set up this tabernacle according to the pattern you were shown on the mountain seek me and you will find oneness let's become a people who are just one with God I challenge you church don't treat this meeting casually this is not the place where you come to get a good sermon to make you feel better this is the place where you come to get equipped to bring Jesus into every avenue of life Don't treat that casually. There are people that God has highlighted to you to pray. Don't treat that casually. Intercede on their behalf every day. Don't forget it. There are those of us with infirmities even though we prayed for healing tonight. You know what? I see a pattern that Jesus did when he healed people. He looked at the The lame man, he said, hey, take your mat, get up and walk. The only way the man knew he was healed was when he got up, meaning he believed he could get up even though he never could. At some point, it's not, will they heal me? It's, do I receive it as if I actually believe I'm healed? Now, Scripture says you're blessed to be a blessing. So wherever I go, I am to be a blessing. I am a blessing into every environment I walk in. And some of them are saying, that's a prideful statement. No, it's not, because it's not about me. I know that wherever I walk into is blessed because I am in Christ, and Christ is in me. And the moment I walked into the room, they just saw Jesus. Let's represent him well. Oneness. Amen. Let's stand. Let's give God praise tonight, like a real, like, give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are good. You're great. You're amazing. You're wonderful. You're mighty. God, show us who we are meant to be, who we are called to be. Let us become people living according to the pattern. Show us your pattern. We want to be one with you, God. Let your remnant arise. Let us be a people that looks so much like you that the lost will come not to find a good church service, but to meet Christ. Let our let us be so one with you, God, that when we pray, it doesn't even take twenty-one days to get to Earth like it did Daniel. It would happen in a moment. Let us be so one with you, God, that when you tell us to go to the next place, it doesn't take us 40 years of wandering. We go right there and right then and right now. Because we recognize we're one with you, God. Right now. And I, I pray for the ones that, that are lost, that are that we've been thinking of all night, our loved ones are uh, that, that we know are not saved. And we just say right now, God, according to your pattern, we thank you that they are saved. We thank you that they're receiving you right now, that the that, that Holy Spirit, we believe you're speaking to them right now, and they're hearing you. And he, even if they don't say yes, they're, 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 they're understanding there's a voice, there's a whisper. And God, I just speak right now that your whisper will get louder. And and louder, and louder, and louder, and louder that they cannot say no to You, God. That tonight the lost will be found. They will say yes to You, Jesus. I speak to every infirmity, every sickness, every disease under the sound of my voice because I am one with Christ. And Christ says, be healed. The disc gets into alignment. The the cancer disappears. The, the, The tumors dissolve right now. The diseases of old will shrink and go away because we are in the presence of King Jesus. Holy Spirit, sweep us. Sweep us away me away. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. Lord, Lord, glory to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just start praying. Yes. Whatever God tells yes. you to pray for, just start praying yes. right now, out loud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, right now. Whatever it is, lift it up. Whatever your need is, whatever you want is, the Holy Spirit is revealing it right now for you to pray right now. come down. Heaven come down. Heaven come down. Heaven is here. Heaven is here. We know the secret. You are in us. Tonight, God, we just declare that as we leave this building, we're not leaving you. We're taking you everywhere we go. I speak blessings over every person in this room. Tonight, God, we commit to sitting at your feet. In Jesus' name, we all pray. Amen. 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 Love you guys.